Thank you. Thank you. Normally wait to after the sermon for that. Um, when I was in high school, I had a, a lot of fights with my parents. In particular, with my mom. At this point in my high school career, my, my dad was already out of the family. And he was off doing something else. Um, so me and my mom really butted heads. And as I've said before, but I'll say it again for the sake of what I'm trying to communicate this morning, I was kicked out of my house twice in high school. First time I was kicked out had to do with the laundry. I had this issue where I, I was doing my laundry since like middle school. I was taught to really learn to care for myself because my mom, for, for several years of our family life, was a single mom. And so I had to learn to do a lot of things early in life in order to make sure that I could have clean clothes and things like that. So uh, one time, uh, the first time I was kicked out, I think I was 16 or so, um, I was kicked out because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take the laundry out of the, the, the washer. Um, and it was kind of the boiling point. That wasn't the only thing. She and I had got into a lot of different fights for a lot of different reasons. And that was kind of the, the head. And she got upset. We yelled at each other, um, shook fists. I didn't, I didn't touch her. But we got to a place where it was so volatile and so terrible that I thought there's only one really good thing for, for, for us to do now, and that's for me to leave. Um, and she made that easy when she said, you should leave. <laughs> so there was that. Uh, and so I, I lived with a friend for, I don't know, six months or so, give or, give or take. Um, came to my senses, and I said, this is not a way for me to live. I'm not legal yet. This isn't going to work out in the long haul. So I went back home with my tail between my legs, and I apologized for something that I didn't think I was at fault for. And so I humbled myself and just said, hey, I just want to say I'm sorry, and I'd like to come back. Uh, and so I did. She accepted my apology, and I moved back in, and things were good for a few months. Until um, about my senior year, maybe middle uh, I know it was before my graduation because I deliberately did not want anyone from my family at my graduation. Uh, we had another fight and a falling out. This one lasted years. She and I fought so voraciously, so viciously, that at the end of it, I remember screaming a few things at her, uh, and not the least of which, one of the phrases that stood out to my memory is I said, you don't care at all about me. I use more colorful language, but I said, you don't care about me, and I know this. You know, I they got great grades. I have a job, I take care of myself, and you've given me nothing. You provided nothing for me. It wasn't true, of course, because she gave me a house and food and a lot of other things that I didn't recognize at that point in time. But uh, in that situation, I realized that there's no way that I can live in the house if I can't live under her authority. And I couldn't. I was, I was fed up. And so she and I had a falling out that lasted years. After high school, I graduated. I moved in with another friend whose family took me in. Um, I said, hey, let me stay for a week, and I ended up staying for four years. <laughs> uh, so, um, and in that whole time frame, as, a, as an unbelieving young man, I, I vowed, as I vowed that I would never, ever talk to that woman, or by extension, my dad, ever again. I hate you guys. I've said that a million times in my head and my heart. I hate you. I despise you. And I will succeed in spite of you. One of my driving reasons for success in high school, in fact, I, I, I did pretty well. You may not think so, but I did pretty well in high school. And I know that one of the currents that propelled me to do really well in high school was that I want to prove to my parents I don't need them. 
I hate them so much. I want to show them that I don't need you. I can live without you. I say all this, and I share these very sensitive and personal things with you because I want you to understand that we're, I'm about to preach to you about something very hard for you. I know that this is a challenge. I know that this is difficult, and I know that this may be one of the hardest sermons that you hear from this pulpit, at least in the next month or so. And yet, if I were wise, I would have heard a sermon like this, and I would have understood that to live under the authority of my imperfect mom with her imperfect son would have been for the best, the best possible thing that I could do. And there's people today where it, it, it's, it's almost comical, it's laughable. There's a guy on CNN who didn't want to move out of his parents' house at 30 years old. 30 years old, his parents are begging him to leave their house, to get a job, to do something with his life, and he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't submit to their authority, even in the simplest ways possible. Now, for you, young person, I don't want you to see this as just being, I, I don't want you to hear this sermon as me just telling you, get in line, do what you're supposed to do, and stop crying like a baby. That's part of that, sure. There's some of that in there, but the overarching drive for me this morning is for you to hear that things go better for you. Life is better for you when you're not acting like this guy. When you're not saying at 30 years old or 17 or 16 or 15 years old, I don't want to live under your authority, but I still want the benefits of being under your authority. I don't want to listen to you, but I still want the food in the fridge. I still want the nice comfy room. I still want the bed and the sheets. I want all of that. It's so easy for you in this stage of life to look at your parents and to disregard them and to say, you don't get it. You don't listen to me. You don't understand me. Or if you're like me, you might say, you don't even care about me. You're not even a Christian. How could you possibly care? You don't get it. You don't take any time to listen to me. You don't take any time to understand me. You don't take any time to do what I want to do. It's always about what you guys want. It's all about your family and your leadership. And what do I get out of this deal? I get it. I get it. I've felt those things. I've understood those things. And so when I share these things with you, when I say what I'm about to say, I understand it's going to fall pretty heavy on you, but you need to hear this because things go your way when you honor and obey. Look at Ephesians chapter six with me. We're going to look at a classic text that you already know, but I'm going to pray for you, I have prayed for you, that you would listen to this, not for the millionth time, but for the first time. Understanding that what God is saying to you is something profoundly significant, because if you get this, everything in your life changes for the better, for the better. Because in this text, what you're going to find is that there are three keys to being successful in your family life, three keys to being submissive to the parents that God has given you. And when you listen to those things, your life is better. This is one of those texts where God not only tells you what the right thing to do is, but he incentivizes it. Young person, if you listen to me, this will be a radical change for you in your life, and it will be for the better. God promises it. God promises it. Look at it with me. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 1. We'll read the four verses together so we get a sense of what's going on here, and then we'll break them down. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Let that sink in, feel that, and understand. I, under, I understand that that's painful for you to hear, but that's what it says. Verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Here's the incentive. What good happens when you obey them? Verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Paul turns his attention to fathers and by extension moms, and he says, fathers who primarily are called to lead the family, do not provoke, don't incite your children to be angry. Don't make them angry. Don't, don't over-legislate. Don't over-expose them. Don't make them angry by your behavior. But instead, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, looking at just the first two verses, I want to point out one thing that's going to be obvious, but we need to say it anyway for your sake and for mine and for your parents who are probably going to love this sermon. <laughs> 
honor and obey your parents. That is the driving point. And again, if you listen to what I'm saying here, things go your way. Things are better when you honor and obey. That is God's call to you. And it's clear in these first, in these several verses here. Uh-oh. It's clear in these several verses here that what's taking place is not just to, you know, to pound you down. You, you saw in verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is what? This is right. This is righteous living. This is right behavior. This is how God has designed the world to work. We talked about two weeks ago before Dan was here. We said God is your first and primary authority. And if, that, if you understand that, if you agree with that, if you, if you embrace that, the next level of authority that God has placed in your life is not me. And it's not even the government. The next level of authority in your life is your parents. They are God's mediators for your good. That's why the subtitle on your text is God's gift to you. These are meant to be people in your life who are instructing you, growing you, and helping you become all that God wants you to be. They are there for your sake. Look at verse one again. Children, obey. That's a command. That's a, that's a verb that is an imperative, and it's an ongoing imperative. There are several ways to talk about uh, commands in the Bible. This command has an ongoing effect. Uh, it's a verb. It's a present active imperative. Present active imperative is an ongoing, regular kind of, uh, kind of action. And so when he's saying children, he's talking to people more or less your age. They're not kids who don't understand life. They're not infants. He's talking to people that understand. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. That means to say, if, if you are a Christian, if you call yourself a believer, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, that means you are to obey your parents as you would the Lord himself, because they are the authorities that he's placing in your lives. It's like when your parents used to leave you behind, or how, how about this? Have any of you guys ever babysat your, your siblings? No one. Okay, I'm the only one. Oh, a few of you. Thank you. Okay, when mom and dad, or mom, or just dad, go out, they leave you with a sitter, and they say, I want you to listen to the sitter. I'm going to ask them how you did when I come back home. And if they don't give me a good report, your buns are on the line. It's the same idea where God says, I am not physically here in your living room, but here are the authorities I'm putting in charge. You would do well to listen to them. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Colossians 3.20 gives another reason why that it's good for you. He says, children... Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. As I say, that this is a righteous and good thing that God puts in your life. In verse 2, we'll look at that first part there. Honor your father and mother. Those are where we're getting the two words from. Obey and honor. Those two commands are imperatives that have ongoing implications for you. And I want you to notice what it does not say here, because there's a lot of things that I know they're going to come to your mind immediately, like, well, give me the exceptions, Pastor Rod. Where do I not have to obey them? And we'll talk about that. We'll, I promise we're going to talk about that. But I want you to notice that in these first two verses, there's nothing in there that says, if your parents are Christians, if your parents communicate to you the way that you want, if your parents tell you to do things that you like doing, there's nothing in there that qualifies your disobedience. If obeying your parents in the Lord is right, disobeying your parents is wicked and wrong. And hear me say this loud and clear, is sin. It's sin to do that. God took this very seriously. You might think, okay, this is the classic text that parents want every child to memorize. But I, I need to show you a few texts in the Old Testament where God makes this abundantly clear that this is not just a, a, you know, if you do it, no big deal. If you don't, then okay, we'll figure it out. You know, you sinned against your parents, that's a boo-boo, no problem. Let me show you a few texts that are, that are going to rock your world. Have you ever in your heart ever been tempted, and, and don't answer this, 
ever been tempted where you've been so angry at your mom and dad that you might, like me when I was a young man, say, I hate you. Or man, I just wish you would die. Again, don't answer that. But that was a warrant for the death penalty. Look at this. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever curses, and that's what I was doing in my heart, curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Have you ever thought about that? Your, your, your attitude and your potential behavior towards your parents could warrant the death penalty? That's what God wants you to see. His idea of authority in your life is so important to him that if you ever said or did anything to physically harm your parents or to curse them in your heart, he says that's, that's liable to, to, to die. You're, you're able to receive the death penalty because of how you've talked to them or if you physically assaulted them. That's pretty serious business. Which is to say that this is central to God's governance of his people. Authority is a good thing. Such that when authority is disregarded or disrespected, your life, your life itself is forfeited because you're disregarding something so very good. It goes on. There's another text I want to point you to. It's Deuteronomy chapter 21. It's a longer text. It says, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son or daughter, who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, and that's key there, the parents are called to discipline you, and we'll talk about that in the third point, will not listen to them, verse 19, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gates of the place where he lives. Okay, so the gates and the elders, those are two, uh, the elders govern the city. The gates is where all the city business took place. That's where they, they would meet for business meetings and have discussions about the, the life of the city. And so he, the, the text is saying, if in your city you have a rebellious son or daughter who just is not listening and you're, you're spanking, you're, you're, you're grounding them, you're taking the door off their bedroom, if they don't listen, then what? Bring him to the elders, and they shall say to the elders of this city, This is our son. This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of that city shall, get this, stone him to death with stones. Let that hang in the air for a second. It's pretty serious, isn't it? So you shall purge the evil from your midst. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Make no mistake that God considers disobedience and dishonor for your parents to be wickedness. Such that death is threatened against the child who refuses to obey, refuses to listen. Today's day and age, if you, if you did this for your parents today, what are they going to do? They call the cops. They might ask to have you held overnight in a cell. But they're not going to kill you. It's probably for the better, I think, that they don't do that today. But understand that God takes this very, very seriously. You need to feel the gravity of this. Leviticus 19, verse 2 says it this way, Every one of you shall revere, honor, esteem his mother and his father. Why? Why should I do that, God? Well, because I am the Lord your God. He's asserting his authority. If I'm your God, then you should listen to your parents. You should revere them. You should honor them. You should do exactly what I'm saying to do with them. It is our loyalty to God that informs our obedience to our parents. This is righteous and holy and good. And I know, guys, this is hard for you to hear a lot of you because here's the thing. All of you have imperfect parents. No surprise, right? All of you have imperfect parents. I get that. 
But here's what God is saying. He's not qualifying your obedience. He's not saying, oh, if they're imperfect, if they say the wrong thing, if, they, you know, if they're always looking at your phone and you know, invading your privacy, if they're always opening the door to see what you're doing in your room. He doesn't say any of that. He just says, honor and obey. Every one of you should revere his father and his mother. Why? Because I'm God and they're my authorities. They're my delegates. Painful to hear, but, but necessary. God says so. That, that's essentially is his point. What does it mean to honor them? What does it mean to honor your parents? It means to pay respect toward them in your attitude. Honor and obey are like two sides of one coin. Honor is the attitude that you carry toward your parents. Obedience is the actions that should result from that. So if you have parents, whether it's a mom and a stepdad or a dad and a stepmom or some combination in between, God is calling you to honor them, to revere, respect, and treat them as worthy of your honor. Even when, and hear, hear me out on this, even when they do not act in ways that you deem are honorable. <sighs> honor them means to care for them, to treat them as important and significant in your life. And yes, yeah, someday you're going to move out. Someday soon you're going to move out and you're going to go to a four-year or maybe you're going to go to Saddleback, whatever your plans are. This relationship will change, but the command doesn't change. Your obedience is no longer warranted once you become an adult and you leave, leave their jurisdiction, but your honor never goes away. In fact, as an adult, I'll tell you this, the older I get, the smarter my parents seem in retrospect. You know, in high school, I hated them, as I've already mentioned, and I said that to them. I said that about them. I talked to my friends about them. I told my friends how awful they were. I told my friends about the kind of rules and restrictions and regulations that they placed on my life. And I said, man, but look at me. I'm a 4.5 GPA. I'm, you know, I'm this thing. I'm in drama club. I got a job. I'm amazing. I don't need those people. And I was sinning so terribly, so terribly by dishonoring them, by telling people about their foibles and telling them how awful they were and dishonoring them in my heart. But God wants us to not only obey them, but to honor them. The attitude that you show your parents is the attitude that you're showing God. Because God is your authority and he says, honor this person. If you dishonor that person, you're dishonoring God. If you spit in your parents' face with your words, you're spitting in God's face with your words. God is calling you to honor your parents' And if you honor them, you're going to obey them. You honor them, you're going to do what they ask you to do. Sometimes I have to remind my kids when I tell them to do something, or when their mom tells them to do something, say, do it with a happy heart. Do it with a happy heart. Don't just begrudgingly drag your feet and go wash the dishes or drag your feet and take out the trash. Uh, do it with a happy heart. Why? Because that's what God wants you to do. That's how God wants you to respond to authority. Obedience is one thing. Honoring is another. You can obey without honoring them, but you can't honor them without obeying them. They too go together. Okay, now that I've laid the groundwork for your mostly unquestioning obedience and honor and loyalty to your parents, what are the exceptions? There's a news story that came out last year about a mom, I think she was in Arkansas, who used her kids to rob a jewelry store. They made out with $30,000 worth of jewelry. She had her kids go behind the counter. She had someone else distract the guy. The kids would go behind the counter, check to see if it was open. They opened it up, pulled out the jewelry, stashed it, and ran. Were the kids honoring their mom by doing what she asked them to do? And there's like kids, like six, seven, five maybe, young kids. Were they not honoring their parents? Let's put it differently. Some of you guys submitted a question. One is someone submitted a question. Bonus QOTW. If your parents don't allow you to go to church, is it a sin to disobey them? That's my mistake. Them when God commands us to attend church. 
There's one text I want to point you to before we answer this. Take a look at it with me here. Acts chapter 5, three verses, 27 through 29. The apostles and Peter were were told not to preach Jesus Christ. Here's how they responded. When they had brought them, the apostles, they set them before the council, the authorities of the land. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. And yet here you, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? Verse 29 is the clincher. 29 says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. That is the line. If you're wondering ever where the line is between my obedience and honor for my parents and where the line is between that and God, there it is. If God is saying you should do A and your parents are saying you should do B, that's when you have a conflict. So before you run away with this teaching, I need to make sure that you're abundantly clear on how this works under this rubric. Okay, I need you to hear that there are times when disobedience to parents is right and good and necessary, but most of the time it's not. So if this ever comes to you, if you ever think you're in a position where God, you might feel like God is telling you to do this thing, but you want to do that thing, and your parents are telling you to do another thing, first and foremost, make sure that you understand why. If your parents are saying, hey, don't go to church, I, I want to know what, what's driving that. Is it a matter of like, well, hey, you're not doing your homework, you're behind on your chores at home, you're, you're, you're failing in your responsibilities, your, your bed has been a mess, you haven't made your bed all week. If it's something like that, it's not that they're saying don't go to church, they're saying finish your responsibilities. It's not a prohibition against church in general, it's about a specific application of the fact you're dropping the ball at home. So ensure that you understand and then before you start throwing bombs at mom and dad, make sure you understand the scriptures, in particular what we just read. Whenever, ever, ever you think you're in the right place and mom and dad are wrong, when you approach them, the wrong response is, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, this is awful, you're mistreating me. It's always respect, deference, and honor. Respect, deference, and honor. How you say what you say matters, and what you say matters. The posture of your body matters. I remember when that fight happened in my, in my mom's living room, like I, was, I was fuming. So I told you, I was yelling. That's mistake number one. You never raise your voice at your parents unless you're warning them from danger. But you're, you're, I was yelling. And then not only that, because I was so angry, and yeah, because I was so angry, I was like, man, I, I, is that a flaring up body posture, right? I, wasn't, I never would hit a woman. I've never hit a woman. But I got to the place where I was so angry, so physically moved that I was like, what? You never do that? You know, the big body posture thing that I do up here sometimes? This. <laughs> this in front of my mom. Terrible. Terrible. When you think you have a disagreement where you think mom and dad are wrong, humility, tone, what your words are communicating, those are all important things. You guys understand that when I'm preaching to you, I try my best to strike a balance between authoritatively preaching God's word and talking to you like people because I understand what it is like to be your age. I've been there and I've done that and I've broken all the rules to my own disappointment and shame. Give that same deference and respect to your parents. When you're talking with them and you know they're wrong, your job is to humbly and very, very prayerfully talk to them in a way that communicates, I honor you you're angry not the time to talk to them in fact if they're trying to tell you to talk to them and you're angry you can respectfully say mom dad i am i'm just i am not in my right mind can can we just take a few minutes where i can breathe go outside and pray before we talk about this you say something like that you're, you're diffusing a bomb so ensure you understand seek clarity from the scriptures pray 
for a soft heart, for, for humility, for wisdom. And if after all those things, you still feel like they're in the wrong and you're in the right, I would also say seek advice and wisdom from your leaders and your pastor who cares about you. So if it's a matter of going to church, uh, whoever asked the question, I think it's too simple to ask without having a lot more detail about your family life and what the prohibition is. Again, it could be, I don't want you to go to church because fill in the blank. And that's something you can reconcile without having to give up church. Honor and obey your parents. God could stop there, but he doesn't stop there for us. He gives us a little more to work with. He says, there's reasons why I want you to do this. There's reasons why this is going to be good for you. Reasons why I want you to obey your, your mother and father. Why? Look at the second half of verse 2. This is the first commandment with a promise. What's that promise? It'll go well with you. Things are going to be better for you. You're going to live long in the land. This is going to be so much better for you if you honor and obey. You're saying, uh, you're, you're saying yes to their, to their, to their leadership. And you're saying no to yourself, but you know there's a better thing on the other side of this. It's like you're saying no to playing video games uh, instead of, you're saying no to playing video games, and instead you're studying for the test because you know you're going to probably get a better grade. You're saying no to staying out late and instead sleeping normal hours because you know you'll probably perform better at the track meet. It's that kind of exchange here. God is saying if you're wise, you'll obey them because it's going to be better for you. Better. So point number two, you need to realize the benefits of submission. It's not just to, you know, get under my thumb, do what I say, I'm your mom, I'm your dad, honor and obey, like Pastor Rod said. <clears throat> I'm still getting better. You can still pray for me. <clears throat> it's a matter of God saying, I care for you. I am going to bless you when you do the right thing. This should be no surprise to us. This is how God has typically written the commands for us. It's not do what I say and grudge it out, grit your teeth and just get on with it. It's no, things are better when you obey me. As I already alluded to, when I was younger, I was not, I, mean, I was well behaved in some places, but maybe some of you can relate to this, hopefully not. But I was really good in other places, but when I got home, I was a different man. Like I, I, I was good at school. I was good at church. I knew how to play the game. But when I got home, the real me came out, and I would let my parents, um, <clears throat> let's just say I made it hard for them. Again, I, did, I didn't respect them. I didn't honor them. I, did, I obeyed them, but I did it begrudgingly, and I did it only because I knew that my dad could hurt me. <laughs> and in fact, back in my childhood, these are all things that I was very familiar with. <laughs> that wooden spoon, I think I got, I, I graduated from the wooden spoon like after two years old. It didn't hurt me. My parents would spank me, like, ah. <laughs> is that all you got? And so they moved on. I mean, the chancla, that, the chancla is really more like a, a, a weapon of variety. Like, yeah, and it's flexible. Like, you can throw the chancla from anywhere. Like, anywhere in the room, you just throw the chancla real quick. You ever see the movie Coco? Legit. That's how a Mexican family works. Seriously. Um, and then the belt. When I got to the belt, like, the belt followed me from middle school till... I think I was maybe 14 when I got my last spanking from my dad. Um, and my dad, you, you don't know my dad. I, I told you, he's a vato. He's strong. He's tatted all over. He spends a lot of time in behind a federal building. <laughs> so he was strong. <laughs> and when, he, when my dad would spank me, man, that was painful, painful. I hated it. But I learned two lessons from this. 
Lesson number one is that my actions have consequences. I know I, I'm making my parents sound like disciplinarians, and they weren't always that. There was a lot of times that they did great things. When I, did, when I got good grades, they loved getting me like gifts and showering me with praise and affection. Um, so I learned that actions have consequences. But the second thing I learned is to have a healthy respect for authority. When that happened, uh, when I learned that authority was a good thing and that if I submitted to authority, good things happened, my world was dramatically better. Like I said, I did really well at school. I did really well in other areas of my life. I was a great employee. My bosses loved me. I was, I was able to get along well with authority because I learned this from my parents, that if I do good, good things happen. If I do bad, bad things happen. That's generally how life works. And so what God wants you to understand is that there are so many good benefits to submission. So many good things that come with your submission to your parents. First and foremost, I think one of the things that he tells us is that wisdom comes from your obedience. Wisdom. Think about this. Your parents, okay, put their ages together. How old is your dad? Don't say that loud. Think about your dad's age, give or take. I'm just going to ballpark it and say he's 50, okay? Now, think about your mom. Ballpark her age in your head. Let's just say 20, Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to put your mom out there. So let's just say there's between 70 and 100 years of experience that your parents have in their home. And for most of you, and, for, and for, probably for all of you, your parents have your best interest in mind. So when you're living life, their job and their desire is to help you avoid making stupid mistakes that they probably already committed. And so they're pleading with you, begging you, please don't do this. Don't hang out with that friend. Don't spend your money on that. Save your money. Don't wear that. Don't, don't eat that. Don't, don't put a Tide Pod in your, in your mouth. That's not a good idea. Don't wear those shoes. Don't, I mean, there's so many things that they're always telling you, right? Your parents are trying to diffuse wisdom to you. And when you obey your parents and you listen to them, they are gonna, it's going to serve you so much better than if you simply ignore them. There is wisdom to be had. Story of Solomon's son, King Solomon. His son named Rehoboam. First, uh, First Kings chapter 12. His son inherits a throne. But his son was a dummy. Here's why. When his son inherits the throne, Jeroboam comes to him and says, King Rehoboam, your dad put a heavy burden on this. Would you please lighten it? The, the only wise thing that he did is that he said, you know what? Let me think about this. And so Jeroboam leaves and he consults two groups of people. The first group he consults are his father's counselors. So essentially he's getting his father's wisdom because these are the very people that his dad trusted to help him make wise decisions. So Rehoboam goes to the old guys and says, hey guys, they want me to lighten the burden, what do you think? And then the old guys say, if you lighten their burden, they'll be yours forever. It's wise, do this. Thanks them, they carry on. Then he goes to another group of people. And the, the text says it was people that he grew up with. So his friends, his peers. He says, guys, what do you think? Tell me. These guys are asking for a lighter burden. Well, what do you think? And they say, <laughs> they say, rain down heavy on them. Those lazy people, they don't know what they're talking about. Come down strong and exert your control and dominance over them, and then they'll know who the boss is. Well, for whatever reason, Rehoboam went with his friend's advice. Jeroboam comes back to him. Jeroboam says, King, we'd like for you to lighten our burdens. What do you say? Rehoboam says, <laughs> it's funny actually, he says, my little pinky is thicker than my father's thigh. He whipped you with cords, I will whip you with scorpions. And you can almost like imagine flames and smoke coming out from behind him as he says this. But little did he know that single act of exerting his authority ended up splitting up his entire kingdom. 
where his kingdom could have been the 12 tribes of Israel united under his leadership, he ended up making a mistake that cost him 10 tribes. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom split up. 10 tribes of Israel end up going with a different king, Jeroboam. The, the, the two tribes of Judah are now, uh, are now under his rule. He made a mistake by listening to his friends rather than listening to his dad or his counselors. There's wisdom to be had, young person. But there's also success. Bible says, Ephesians chapter 6, we're, we're studying that, that it will go well with you and that you'll live long in the land. It's not, it's not necessarily that you'll be rich and famous and healthy. But generally speaking, God is going to use your parents to help you succeed in life. For a lot of you guys, you, you have a lot of parental support. Your scholarship applications, your job applications, your wardrobe, getting a car, getting to the DMV, all of those things are areas of success that God is intending for you to enjoy through the media, uh, the mediaries of your parents. Your parents are God's vehicle by which he wants to bless you. So when you're obeying them, you're learning to submit to all lawful, uh, all lawful authorities. Learning to submit to your parents is learning to submit to all lawful authorities. Get this, you're going to learn how to be a good parent by obeying and learning from your parents' example, both for good and for bad. You're going to learn humility and patience. By the way, I've said this before, humility is one of the greatest gifts that you can possibly receive right now because right now the exact opposite is your temptation. You learn how to be good followers. Some of you guys want to be leaders, and I applaud that. I'm grateful for that, but you're never going to be a good leader until you're a good follower. You're never going to be good at leading others until you know what it's like to submit to others. And not only this, but you learn how to think critically. You learn how to examine life because you have a friend, a helpmate, a coach who's helping you look at life critically and hopefully thoroughly biblically. When you don't do that well, you set up your life to hurt in a multitude of ways. And not only that, but you, you set up your life to be shortened. When you diso disobey your parents, you're putting yourself in a position of danger because you're saying, I don't want to do things your way. Even though, yeah, you're wiser than I am, you're far older than I am, you've, got, you've gone through life more than I have. If I don't listen to you, nothing's going to happen to me. And one of the biggest mistakes that you make is that you think you're invincible, right? Your age, you feel like nothing's going to happen to me. I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm attractive, I'm strong, I'm good. But the... the, the Youth, young people, you're not invincible. And your parents are wise. Listen to them and understand that life can be lengthened. That's what God was saying to the Israelites. When you honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with the promise that it'll be well with you and you'll live long. But what is the blessing of a long life if you're not living a blessed life? There's so many good things that are available to you. So many benefits that come from your obedience. If only you'll see them. Now, this next verse you might think doesn't apply to you, but it does. Take a look. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, dad's in the room, we ought to feel this. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You have to understand in this verse here that there are Several things taking place. You, you might not notice it, but the culture at this point in time, you have the Romans, you have the Greeks, you have the Israelites, the Jews. The Romans and the Greeks, uh, particularly the Romans, believed in something called patria potestas, which is the power of a father. And in this culture, the Romans believed that the father of the family had absolute authority. To the point where if he just wanted to kill you because he didn't like you, he could. He could do that. Patria potestas. He's a He's, he's the one who governs and rules the family. He had no one who could, who could deny him otherwise. No matter how big you were, even if you were a magistrate, if you were a government official, your dad was still a greater authority than anyone else to you. 
So in this culture, Paul speaks to the Romans, he speaks to the Greeks, and he speaks to this combined church, and he says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't, don't exacerbate them. Don't make them angry on purpose. Don't humiliate them. But instead, bring them up. And that word bring them up means nourish, counsel, guide. That bringing up is the kind of, is, is the kind of term that refers to something being taken care of delicately, gently. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And there's two facets there. They sound identical, and there's, there's a little bit of overlap. Discipline and instruction. The discipline part is the physical aspect or the action-oriented part of your parents' responsibility. The instruction part is the verbal. So when you say, Matt, why do you keep saying the same thing over and over again? It's because they're supposed to. <laughs> they're supposed to. When you get tired of hearing your parents repeat themselves for the umpteen time, and you're like, I get it. I understand. Get off my bat. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Because God is calling them to continue to instruct you and counsel you in the, in, in the Lord, in the Lord. They're supposed to bring you up in the instruction of the Lord. Discipline. Um, I joked about this, but there is a physical aspect of your parents' leadership in your house. I'm not saying that they should spank you now, and if I were preaching to them, I'm not going to tell them, spank your kids in high school. But there is a sense in which they're supposed to inflict painful physical consequences on your foolishness. So when you're grounded, or when the door is taken off the hinges and you lose your privacy, or when your phone is taken away, or when they're scrolling through your text messages, or when they're doing things to you that feel like, man, this is way overboard, understand that God is calling them to do that. That is the role that they play. Do they do it perfectly? No. No. But understand, that's the role that they have. And in fact, speaking of roles, you need to embrace yours. Understand and embrace your role in the family. This is not something that should be quietly dismissed. I went to a show not too long ago at Laguna Hills. I saw Horton Hears a Who. And it was great because in the show, there's a lot of different actors in there. There's the Wickersham brothers and Horton's girlfriend, the bird. Um, the cat in the hat was also there. But the show was called Horton Hears a Who. And so, of course, the show revolved around the protagonist, Horton. Everything was meant to drive the story forward about Horton. No one at any point in time in the show decided to cast off restraint and say, hey guys, let's pay attention to me. This is my show now. I'm the cat in the hat. Let's all talk about me and how great I am. Everyone played their role. And when everyone played the role, the show worked flawlessly. It was enjoyable to watch. People were excited. There was familiar faces that I got to see. Everyone was playing their role. And when everyone plays their role, the show works well. Young person, play your role in your family. I know it feels like forever, and I know it feels like this is never going to end. I'm always going to be under the chains and the, the, the ball and chain of my parents. It will end. It's a short season of your life that doesn't last long. But the wisdom of this text is that if you obey it, things are better. So how do you play your role in your family? What's your role look like? How do you actually do this? Well, first and foremost, let me, let me, let me point out here. When the first part of verse four says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. So there's a, there's a, if I was preaching to your parents, I'm going to come down hard on that and say, hey, don't provoke your kids. But this doesn't exclude your effort. Because look at this. If, if, there's, if their job is not to provoke you to anger, what's your response then? Love them. Love them. You should not be easily provoked. You should not have a hair trigger anger. You should not be the kind of kid that's always getting upset at your parents for doing something dumb. You should be the kind of kid who's patient, who endures your parents, who are, again, let me just say it abundantly, they're not perfect. Your parents aren't perfect. And neither are you. Which is why loving your parents is 
part and parcel with your role. What does that look like? 1 Corinthians 13 is the best text. Let's go through this really quickly here and look at what your role is. First of all, love is patient. You know what this age of this stage of life is for you? Patience. A lot of patience. Not only that, it's kind. Kind to your parents. Love does not envy. It's not jealous of the fact that, well, Timmy's parents don't make him do this. Timmy's parents, they, they let him do whatever he wants. They bought him a car. They gas it up. They pay for his insurance. He gets to stay out till 3 a.m. He gets, he gets to do whatever he wants. Why does Timmy's parents get to do whatever he wants? And my parents are so stoic and they make me just do whatever I, I can't do. I can't do this anymore. I can't wait to get out of your house. No, love is patient. It's kind of stuff envy. It's not looking at other families and saying, well, why is my family not like that family? doesn't boast. If you happen to be Timmy, <laughs> don't, don't boast. Don't be the kind of kid that's making other kids envious of your life. Love is not arrogant or rude. Be honest with yourself for a second. Ask yourself, when was the last time that you were arrogant or rude with your parents? Was that, rel- was that relatively recent? Your role in the family is to love them, and that means not being arrogant, proud, or rude with your parents. Does not insist on its own way. Man, you better underline that. That's for you. Love does not insist on its own way. But, Pastor, my parents do that. They're the authority. And so I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. This is what God's word says. They're the authority. And your job right now, your role is to submit to their authority and to not insist on your own way. Trust me, your day will come. But right now, it's about slow. Being patient. Verse 6. Sorry, no, it is not irritable or resentful. You're not hair trigger anger. You're not hair trigger temper. You're not resentful. When they make a mistake and they sin against you, I encourage parents, you need to apologize to your kids and seek their forgiveness. If they don't do that for you, your job is to forgive. Does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7 is important. Love bears all things. You're enduring through imperfect parents. Love believes all things. You're, be- you're believing the best about their intentions with you. Love hopes all things. Your ultimate hope is in Christ, and so you can have hope that your parents are doing what they can do with what they got. And then love endures all things. Love is willing to endure over and over again because you know your parents are doing the best that they can do. Your job is to love your parents. That's your role right now. And not only that, because love is one part of it, the second part of it is that you're also joyfully following their leadership. Like I said earlier, it's one thing to be obedient. It's a whole other to be honoring them in your obedience. And so as you follow them, as you joyfully follow them, Things go better for you. God is the one who put your parents in your life. God is the one who, who, who bore you in South Orange County, wherever you were born, Mission or Saddleback or whatever else. Maybe you moved in the area. But God is the one who put them in your life. You need to understand that. When you get frustrated or angry at your parents, you need to understand, I'm getting frustrated and angry at God. God is the one who put them here. Yeah, they're making their own decisions. They're doing what they're supposed to do. But God is the one who made me, uh, who made me to be in this family. And so God clearly thinks that this is going to be a good thing for you if you're willing to submit and follow their leadership, Christian or no. Christian or no. And I get what I'm saying here is tough. It's going to put a big burden on you. But this is what God is calling us to. I also, want you, I also want to empathize a little bit with you too because transition is hard. You're transitioning right now from youthfulness to adulthood. And so there's a real drive in you that says, I want to be independent. I want to stop having to live under my parents' authority. That's a good thing. But not good when it turns into anger and fury and, and indignation. There's a sense in which you do want to, you, you want to foster the kind of independence that's going to make you turn into an adult. But not the kind of independence that makes you angry and frustrated at the parents that God has put in your life. So be patient. 
and joyfully follow their leadership, trusting God to providentially and sovereignly guide you and your path and your life. My parents aren't Christian, though. What do I do with that? It's not an easy answer. But let me give you a text to, to ponder. Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. God is the ultimate authority behind your parents, government authorities, president. God is the authority. And so whenever you're submitting to imperfect, ungodly parents, or if you're submitting to good and godly parents, you're ultimately casting your vote for trust in what God is doing in your life. Hard sermon, I know. But if you want to have success in your family before you leave, this is the way to do it. It's learning to honor and obey. It's learning to see that there are benefits that come when you do obey and fulfill the role that God has provided you in the family. And there are no shortcuts. Some of you guys are tempted to try to shortcut the process by simply trying to live by yourself. Or, um, I, Funny, when I was in high school, I, I honestly looked at the legal process to disown my family. Serious. There are no shortcuts to being a godly young person. In fact, speaking of shortcuts, there's these uh, young men in school uh, up north near San Francisco. It was Tennyson High School in Hayward. Instead of going a long way around the campus to go the safe way, what most students would do is cross a railroad that led to a fence that leads to their field that leads to their school. So you could go the shortcut route, which everyone did, or you could go the long way, which is the safe way, and all the nerds go that way. And so everyone goes over the, over the fence and across the train tracks, including a young man by the name of Ahmad Rahimi. They were taking the regular shortcut that everyone took. They saw the train coming. So these three young boys did what any young boys do. They went the safe way, right? No. They thought, the train's not going that fast. We can beat that. So all three of them run across a track. But Ahmad didn't make it. The two young boys make it. Ahmad is struck by the train and dies instantly. I was reminded when I read that, that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its way leads to death. Your job is to not allow yourself to take mental shortcuts with your parents and to say, well, I'm gonna, I'll obey them enough to keep them happy. I'll honor them enough to make them content with me, but I'm not going to do all the way. Don't take a shortcut. Don't do things the way that you think they ought to be done. Do things the way God says they ought to be done and enjoy the benefits that come with that. Let me encourage you as a father now and as, as I've already intimated, a son who did things really wrong, I messed up so much in my high school life by being combative with my parents and hating them and telling them that I hate them. Young person, don't, don't let this be you. Don't be a fool. Don't be a dummy. Instead, enjoy the benefits of following God's rules, God's commands, understanding that that's the best thing for you right now, as hard as that is. Things go your way when you honor and obey. Let's pray.